Welcome to the Admin Explains, where high school administrator Tucker Brown breaks down the issues in public school and helps teachers by offering tips, tricks, and advice. If you want to grow as an educator and to have a laugh or two, you're in the right place. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode three, part two of our behavior episodes. Now, the last episode we talked about just some basic information as far as where students are at when they're in their quote-unquote learning brain. Now, the learning brain and the survival brain are two different things. And if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and uh, exit out, click back to episode two, and, and give that a good listen. It's a good one. And moving into this one, we're going to go more into the foundational principles of behavior. Sounds intense. Sounds confusing. It's really not. Uh, The first thing to understand is that all behavior is communication. Everything a student does is behavior, and it sends a message, whether it's positive or negative. You know, behavior and attention, it's communication. Now, attention whether it's for good good attention, bad negative attention, students want the attention, okay? So all behavior has a function. So we know behavior is communication, but all behavior has what's called a function. And basically individuals use behaviors to meet their needs, and it's, it's more or less the reasons behind the behavior. And the next part of the foundational principles is that behavior usually happens in a sequence of events. There's the setting event. For example, kid having a fight with a parent. Now kids having a bad day. There's the antecedent, which the example would be student is late to class, gets in trouble. The behavior is student cusses a teacher consequence. Kid gets a solid day in ISS. In that situation, the ABC, which is the behavior chain, the antecedent, the behavior, and the consequence, are, are something that we need to focus on, as well as what's called the setting event. I uh, just had a student uh, recently who looked at the teacher, called the teacher by their first name. This teacher is a bit of a veteran, and that's a big old no-no. I'm standing right there. I heard the whole thing. All the teacher did was look at me and say, that kid's always walking in the hallway. Kid goes off, screams at her, calls her by the first name, very sarcastic manner. Once I got the kid back to my office, I wanted to dig in a little bit deeper. You know, what's going on with this kid's day? What's his home life like? Try to get some questions answered. Kid's very talkative anyway, so has no problem sharing with me some information. Learned that after talking to the kid for a few minutes that had some trouble with some friends and having a pretty bad day. Had an interaction with a teacher that that kid's pretty close with and got his feelings hurt. Got his feelings hurt, and and the, the kid honestly felt disrespected, even though they understood that their actions caused the interaction. So by the time the kid got to the teacher, they're already having a pretty crappy day. They call the teacher by the first name. That's the behavior. So while I'm working with the kid, i got to figure out what's the setting event for this individual. Turns out, setting event would be the interaction with the friends and the teacher at the earlier part of the day. Antecedent is simply the teacher 
naming that student saying that they're walking in the hallway, which caused the behavior, which leads to a consequence. So it's something that everybody can use. And, and the hard part about this behavior chain is the things that cause the behaviors typically aren't noticed, aren't things that you can see off the bat. And it makes it very, very difficult and it can get very, very confusing. So it's something to keep in the back of your minds. It's something if you're an administrator, talk to your staff about. And it goes into that thought process of, you know, a kid really probably isn't mad at me. It's not my fault. And it's probably something going on that you have no idea you know, what's happening, which why building that relationship with a kid is so important to where they'll actually feel comfortable opening up to you and understanding the portion of their life that's causing some of these issues. So when we identify function, basically function stands for what causes a certain behavior. And when it comes to identifying function, you only got a couple options. You've got is a kid wanting to escape and avoid or attain and get something. So are they trying to you know get away from something? Are they trying to get out of a room? Are they trying to, you know, go meet up with a, a young female that in the hallway walking around or do they want to get or obtain you know a, a certain you know item and understanding that is the next step in, in the behavior you know if you have a kid skipping class one thing I've had a conversation with some of my teachers about is you got to figure out the function of why this kid wants to skip class and that's where the conversation of looking in the mirror is hard to do man it's tough you know, because what you could soon realize is the kid's bored, doesn't like you. And that could be a bit, what's the way to put it? it, it it's a bit of a reality check. And it could hurt your feelings. But if a kid's bored, they're trying to escape and avoid an environment and go to an environment that's more fulfilling. And for some kids, it's quite honestly going in the hallways and being with their friends. It could be a kid working for something. It could, it could be anything. You know, a kid or wants to get something. They, they, they want to work for something or, you know, have the freedom outside a classroom that they're trying to get. So identifying that function is, is, is huge. The next step is that I talk with my teachers about is, is you know, the, the difference between reinforcement and punishment. They don't mean what they mean at the, at the, at the top layer. So, one way to look at the reinforcement is that's simply trying to increase behaviors. Punishment is nothing more than trying to decrease behaviors. So now you have positive reinforcement. You know, so an example could be candy for a good behavior. You know, a kid trying to, you know, do well in class and he gets a good grade, teacher gives him a piece of candy. Right? So that that's that's you're trying to increase the behavior and then the outcome. So you're adding. So anytime you see positive, you're adding. Uh, negative reinforcement is you're, you're trying to reinforce it, but you're trying to take something away, which would be the negative. So let's say you're at home and you got a you know a 12 year old and they do something really positive, you know, and, and you want to you know increase that behavior, which is reinforcing is increasing. So you say, you know what? you don't have to take the trash out. You're taking away something that's reinforcing for them, so you don't have to take the trash out. That, that's the reinforcing, the taking away of something that's potentially aversive to them. 
Then we get to the punishment. Punishment is decreasing behavior. So positive punishment is nothing more than adding in something. So let's say after school detention. A lot of kids ain't gonna like that at all. So adding in that that punishment would be you know the, the giving them detention. Negative punishment is that taking something away. That that's the one most people think about when they hear punishment. Um, typically, taking a phone away, you know, taking a car, taking privileges, you know, being grounded in the room. You know, well, actually, grounded would be positive because you're giving them the the space, but you're taking away for the freedom. But it gets a little confusing. But you understand the point, you know. And and kind of where I want to end this one is, you know, living in a world that's called functional based thinking. So anytime there's behavior going on in the classroom, the first thing you have to do is just gather information. Next step, develop a plan. And the third step is monitor progress. And it sounds very, very simple at the base level. And it's something that more people, often than not, are not very good at. The whole idea of behavior it's it's something that it doesn't occur much in the classroom. You know, the, the thought process, it's typically the idea is write a referral, send them to the office. Now they're not my problem. And that that's just a, a mentality we have to get away in the world of education. That, that's, a, that's something where we're not building that relationship for a kid to make them want to be in our classroom. If anything, we're creating this negative environment. They get a, they have this negative in, interaction with the, with an educator and that carries on, you know. I mean, let let the admin be the bad guy. You know, the the necessary evil of an administrator's job is you know the unfortunate consequence aspect. You know, if a, if if people are like me, you know, I'm going to hit kids with a you know the consequence, but we're going to talk about it, and I'm going to do my best to preserve what relationship we have. And let 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 your admins do that part because admins are the ones that I know, and I'm sure there's some great ones out there, and vice versa. There's some ones that may not be as good in this in this area, but the main thing is keeping that relationship in the classroom. You know, because a kid, you got to want a kid to be in that class, and you, you unfortunately might have to take that look in the mirror because, quite honestly, some of these behaviors maybe your fault but ladies and gentlemen thank you for attending this podcast i appreciate it and i look forward to interacting with everyone you know find me on twitter uh tucker brown um, ed um send me an email at tuckerwaynebrown at gmail.com and i look forward to hearing from you guys